0: So on today's episode, Taylor has no clue. We are going to bring in his friend, George Hoffheimer. So up next, we're going to talk to our Murray about strategy. And George is going to crash the podcast in true Filene fashion. Stay tuned to the credit union leadership podcast.
1: Uh, That was probably the moment, you know, other than the day I said, I'm leaving the credit union, starting this company, uh, that um, changed everything for us. So I I think I'd be fair in saying no George Hoffheimer, no, no service star consulting version 2022. You're listening to the credit union leadership podcast, a podcast that delivers value and offers up insight that'll help your credit union grow. Service star has been consulting with credit unions for over 20 years, growing them in the areas of cultural development, leadership development, and management training. To learn more about what Service Star can do for you or your credit union, check them out at servicestarconsulting.com. I pitched the idea of credit unions would be willing to invest money in having the ability to be able to develop a culture that would engage employees, create outstanding service both to external members and internal teammates, and... Uh, be able to dominate on culture. And when I was pitching him on this idea, George didn't know me from anybody. George said he wrote down on a napkin that he had at his desk and it said we would be stupid if we didn't do that. And so the ability to be able to partner with that organization and have George lead the way within that organization to sell the idea and promote the idea really is what allowed us to have traction throughout the united states and canada well i know we would not be where we are without george and his leadership his ability to you know take risk see possibilities so you know there's always that point in the entrepreneur's life where somebody or something comes along and it's, um, and it's almost a magic moment where you can look back and go, and that was it. I mean, other than the day you sat down at your dinner table and said, okay, I'm doing this now. Welcome back to season four now
2: of the Credit Union
0: Leadership Podcast. Hey, here we
2: are. Thanks, my man. I appreciate that.
0: Now, let's just be transparent. Let's just show our all of our cards. Every time I've had you on, I've caught you off guard in some way, shape or form, uh, you know, either y- you thought maybe you were going to be the, the person that's going to be talking about the topics, and I had you produce the podcast, that was episode seven, uh, strength Based uh, Leadership, uh, or you thought maybe you're going to produce the podcast, and you were one of the, the experts, which was, uh, you know, our business development um, podcast, so always keeping you on your toes. We don't have what's in the box today, but we do have a crash, we're going to actually crash- oh, yeah the leadership podcast today. And who better to crash a podcast than your friend, George Hoffheimer. George, how you? Oh, no way. My man. I
3: love it. How's it going, Taylor? That's
0: amazing. So George, George, thank you for for joining the podcast. Taylor had no clue. We were just talking about how every single time I've had Taylor on the podcast, I've always thrown him off, uh, some way, shape or form. And, uh, you, you engaged, uh, you reached out to me, um, on LinkedIn. And I was like, we got to get this guy on the podcast and what better way to do it than a crash a from crash. the, from the filing guy himself. You crashed the, the credit Union <laughs> leadership podcast. So, um, thank you for doing that. I appreciate yeah. it. So George, you and Taylor have a history. Uh, you know, what, what do you know about this guy, Taylor Murray?
3: Um, uh, I've gotten to know Taylor, uh, a lot better in the past few years. Uh, we first, I think we first met when you were in the I3 program at Feline, when you were, uh, BC, were you at BCU or yeah. you at Affinity back then?
2: No, it's was at BCU. Yes. Oh, no. Late 16, I think.
3: somewhere. Yeah, around I was 14. thinking about, there's, there's been a tremendous amount of talent that has run through BCU over the years, um, <laughs> two people on this call included, um, but just, th- you know, think, thinking, you know, about all of the people anyway, that's where we first met and, you know, got, got to know you a little bit that, that way. And, you know, that's a, that's a, a, distinguished group of individuals that, um, just, you know, have such a long runway and kind of distinguished yourself as, um, passionate dude, um, uh, and, uh, and the work quality that came out of that. And then, you know, just more recently as you've taken over service star, um, you know the 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 organization has a has a special place in my heart. Is uh, Mike's one of my oldest friends in the industry, and uh, um, it's great to see you uh, you and Scott and the rest of the team taking it to the next next level.
0: George, you're you're doing um, st- strategy work. Uh, tell us a little bit about uh, what you're doing for Credit Union today. I think it ties in well with our, our podcast topic, which is strategic thinking.
3: Yeah. Um, yeah, so I left Feline almost exactly a year ago, um, uh, a little bit over a year ago. Um, I, you know, I think, I think like a lot of people, um, during this time, you know, just kind of reassessing things. And, um, I'd always just wanted to make life and work a little bit less complex. It's just kind of a a thing of mine and, uh, wanted to go off on my own. So while I was at Feline, I had the unique opportunity amongst our membership of about a thousand credit unions at the time to work with a handful of them on strategic planning. And it was really interesting and uh, fun. And it kind of um, flowed from my work previously with the credit union executive society. Um, and, uh, but what I found was that I just didn't have enough time to, to work with the clients. It's like, I'd go out for a weekend retreat. It would be great. People would get a lot out of it, but realistically not much impact. So the whole idea was um, just to go off on my own and um, kind of create like this outsource chief strategy officer role Uh, because i'd done some research on on that particular role within credit unions and it's an emerging role Uh, but generally talking to people within that role it's like i don't quite know what i do (laughs) um and then everyone's job description was different so um, i had a a good um, background in in strategy so that's kind of what i'm doing uh, right now working with um, in the first year i worked with a lot of clients um, 20 something which was way too many so in year two now, I'm working with uh, about six or seven on an extended basis, and basically just kind of being their outside voice, facilitator, um, and bringer of new information um, uh, around the strategic discussions um, uh, within within all of the organizations um, that I'm working with. Yeah, so actually today I'm getting on an airplane and flying down to uh, Virginia to work with one of my clients. Uh, if the snow holds off as much as it can in the in the upper Midwest. <laughs> So since we have limited time
0: with you, I want to ask you a couple of questions. How does innovation and strategy play along with each other?
3: Yeah, I mean, I think it should should play a bigger role. Um, I think, as we all know, like innovation within credit unions is not really, I mean, it's getting, it's getting a lot better, um, but uh, it's, you know, it, people are interested and excited about it. And then, you know, fundamentally, when you ask like, like truly what's your commitment you ask how much have you budgeted towards innovation and the answer is usually like uh, not much or close to zero um but you know when you kind of step back and say like what is strategy all about and my kind of philosophy on strategy and the reason why i started the firm is like i think we make it way too complex and the outcomes have not been great so i like to think about it from like a really simplified perspective Um, and fundamentally like i view strategy like thinking about Uh, First and foremost, and this is where not just credit unions, but a lot of organizations don't do a great job of like making an assessment of what's going on in the outside world. Like completely, it could be related to or unrelated to the industry that you're in. um, But just kind of getting an understanding of like, what are other industries doing? What are consumers doing? What's technology? What's regulation, et cetera, et cetera. Um, And that's usually kind of the seeds of where innovative ideas uh, come from. So there's, there's that natural link. And then you know you kind of take all those insights from the outside world and that, that's usually the fun part like those are the weekend retreats where it's like let's just talk about fintechs let's talk about what our consumers are doing let's talk about non-traditional competitors but then it usually kind of just stops there and the key is to be able to link what's going on with the outside world with your business model basically like your unique capabilities and how do you make money um, serving your your members um, and uh, that's where you can kind of link the, the outside world with the inside world. Um, and then, you know, kind of going up the chain of, of strategy, it's like, okay, we kind of have an understanding of what's going on inside and outside. Now, like, how do we how do we position ourselves against the competition? And that becomes a little bit more complex because the regulators say, like, here are the banks to the river. Like, you can't do anything besides this. So it takes a tremendous amount of creativity and innovative thinking about, and courage, I would say, um, uh, in terms of, trying to differentiate yourself from the competitors. Um, and then it starts to get back into like even more narrow thinking where credit unions are really good, where it's like, okay, our operation, how, how does our operational model support our differentiation strategy, our business model, and then what's going on in the outside world. And then um, what you guys are really good at too um, is, you know, the, the top of the pyramid is like, how do we know we're successful? Like what are the success measures? So I think in each of those uh, to a certain extent, um, you know, thinking about how innovation falls into the strategy um, discussion is, um, you know, it's it, to me, it's pretty clear on the what's going on in the outside world and, and our business model. And then it becomes, um, you know, a little bit more of an internal thinking exercise as it relates to differentiation, operational model and success measures. So, yeah, I mean, I think it's it's totally related and um, uh, it's it's exciting to see credit unions put a little bit more power behind it.
0: We're talking to George Hoffheimer on the Credit Union Leadership Podcast on strategy and innovation. Uh, I got a follow-up question to that. How much does hiring affect strategy and and getting those outside inputs?
3: Yeah, I mean, I think it's I think it's important. Um, I know that you know one of the insights that I learned early on from Mike was from a hiring Mike Neal uh, from a hiring perspective, you know, looking for attitude rather than skills. um, You know, I know that that's still. One of his big things um, that that he's always talked about, and uh, that usually involves um, bringing people from outside financial services. So I think that's that's a huge huge portion of the of the discussion of bringing that outside perspective in. Uh, but that's only one part of it. It's like okay, you got an outside perspective, but now are you going to kind of train it out of people, or uh, <laughs> you know, will, will the corporate antibodies start attacking the new <laughs> the new host? <laughs> um, uh, type of thing. Um, and that's, you know, quite honestly, that's why I, I think a lot of credit unions are just bringing me in because, um, and, and others, you know, um, you know, I would imagine Service Stars is another example of why the organizations want to bring you in because you've got an outside fresh perspective. Um, you can push them in a way that maybe internal staff can't push people. And uh, I think it's always ha- interesting to have kind of a third, uh, like an outside third party that's kind of uninterested. Um, in your model um, to to kind of challenge you and then quite honestly I, I find it really interesting like this first year of being in business by myself um, some of the things that credit unions have and other organizations have hired me to do they could totally do it themselves but they just don't have the time um, um, or or sometimes the perspective um, to to do stuff so I mean a lot of it's just desk research um, and uh, you know not to minimize that but you know I think I think just having, Outside resources, both from a practical perspective, and then um, you know the uh, the outside perspective is important. But uh, it's really, um, I you know, it's it's great to see when, when we see new talent come into the industry that's from healthcare, from sports management, from you know other types of retail industries, and we need to totally leverage that. Taylor, Thanks. you
0: hired me. I didn't have any credit Ian, uh, experience. Um, was it hard? getting HR to say yes to bringing in just not me. I know you've hired other talent from outside the industry as well. How do you, to, to George's point, how do you get the organization to accept the new talent uh, and the new ideas coming from outside the industry?
2: Well, I think you said it really, really well, George of, it's kind of the attitude, right? And I would 100% out of our, so every single time, take someone with a winning attitude that wants to get things done, wants to have fun, is ambitious and teach them the other stuff, right? That we could teach. It's the other things that I can't teach someone to smile. I can't teach someone to care. And it's not that difficult, at least historically for me, to bring someone in that has the similar chemistry that gets along with people at the organization and we can get things done. So. I haven't had that problem, thankfully, because I've had people like you that have hit home runs every time they come in, and so I'll I'll thank my lucky stars and forget the mistakes that I've made by hiring external candidates that didn't work out. So
3: there's a um um uh, the head of HR, I think she's the former head of HR from Netflix, kind of when they were going through their growth phase from just kind of a interesting company to like a blockbuster. Not. That's that's like the wrong term, it's like a blockbuster type of type of company. And um, the, she actually published the HR manual for Netflix online, and, and you know, just a simple Google will will find it. And one of the things that I that I always found really like that kind of struck me, you know, whether it was just the language, um, but like trying to figure out how this works was this concept of hiring fully formed adults. <laughs> um, and you know, I mean, that that doesn't have anything to do with ageism or experience or anything. But, um, you know, when you think about this concept of fully formed adults, someone that has maturity um, beyond their years or with their years, Um, they have specific levels of confidence and skills. Um, And then most importantly, like Taylor, you were saying, is just that attitude. Um, And, you know, those are the attributes that I think are really really important when you're bringing in someone, um, someone new, especially customer facing uh, types of staff. But, you know, increasingly, you know, as we go to a more digital type of um, experience, um, you know, the kind of the the internal customer uh, type of thing is, is a really important component as well.
0: I got two final questions for you. Um, Hmm. So our industry is guilty of, uh, you know, the flash in the pan, uh, Buzzword, uh, you know, we'll make this chief strategy officer title up now, but five years from now, it might not be that big of a thing. How do we keep that from happening? How do we keep strategy at the forefront of uh, of what credit unions are looking at for the next, you know, decade, two decades? How, how do we make sure strategy doesn't go away? It's not just one of these these buzzwords buzz we use that eventually does go away.
3: Yeah, I mean, I think we need stories about successes. Um, you know, one of the Individuals that I've just kind of been admiring uh, from afar—not um, from afar. He's a good friend of mine, but was recently promoted to, to CEO. Uh, this guy named Tim Mizlansky from Right Pack Credit Union. He's been there for a number of years and uh, was recently named the chief strategy chief strategy officer a few years ago. And uh, that was kind of the genesis of trying to figure out like what's going on with the chief strategy officer role. Um, and he really kind of transformed that. And um, you know, I think not just based on that experience, but his previous experience of building a CUSO at the credit union and being involved in a variety of other types of tactics was named as the internal successor. Um, and, you know, I think, I think is now the, the, the CEO, but success stories like that um, and being able to kind of link the, the really important work of strategy making um, to the, to the organization's success. So I think we just need more stories like that. Um, and, uh, you know, one of the things that I'm, working on um, my darn clients are getting in the way. I don't have a lot of time to, to think these days, um, but as to try and figure out how to, how to do that on an industry-wide basis, much like service star does with sales and service training. You know, how, how do you, you know, how do you create a cult uh, a culture of strategic thinking within the industry amongst, you know, in, instead of working with, you know, t- uh, you know, uh, uh, service, uh, service and experience professionals, you know, how, how do I work with, um, strategy professionals? So you guys are a model that I, that I always look towards as, uh, as something that's really interesting. I don't know. What do you, what do you, what do you guys think on that question? I'm, I'm kind of curious, uh, cause you know, you all have been in kind of the, the, uh, uh, you know, involved to a certain extent in credit unions and strategy making, and then also kind of had to live with the strategy that was potentially delivered to you. What are, what are your thoughts?
2: You know, for me personally, I think it's a little bit of a balance of that innovation, as we little, little, uh, talked about a little bit, and being okay with failure. And with strategy, you're going to have to take some risks that don't necessarily play off or pay out. And often I see that credit unions fail to recognize, or they actually, they recognize those failures versus celebrating them, if that makes sense. So I think there's opportunities with going into something of the unknown to say, Hey, let's not just burn our hand on a stove and never cook again. Let's learn to wear an oven mitt. And because after wearing an oven mitt for two or three days, you become, you know, the next, you know, top chef. Wow. Did that go off on a tangent? But I think that's the idea is is it's all too often fail. Whoa, revert back to the norm, get back into what's comfortable as a credit union making 75 basis points every single year and calling it success. Well, okay, let's blow things up and let's, let's create areas where it's safe to fail. It's encouraged to fail. And that's where we learn. So I think if credit unions can allocate some of those resources, and especially in this digital age where we're not necessarily with each other physically, there can be some really cool things
0: yeah and 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 there is a element to being there early um I would say service star was onto culture and engagement ten years before it became cool um and you were you were at the ground floor of that and and it's not about it being cool. it's about being the number one fundamental driver of what's going to make your credit union different, right? Um, Every time I see a new article that says, uh, we've found it, the solution to grow your credit union. And I keep reading in the third paragraph is, it's a technology piece. I'm like, okay, you know, uh, we don't have a lot of competition in this area because uh, people haven't figured it out yet. No, it's, it's the engaged employee that changes the culture of a credit union, which changes how the member gets, uh, treated, uh, what comes out of it. All right. So here's my last question for you. How many miles did you ride on your bike in 2021?
3: Well, there was, there was one, I had one long ride. Um, <laughs> it was a little over 3000 miles. Um, yeah. So I biked from California to Florida. Yeah. Um, yeah. After, after I left Feline, I knew I needed to, uh, I think, you know, with, uh, you know after being there for 15 and a half years um and pretty much working since i've been 15 years old in a in a typical job um i needed a, a little break from from that reality so uh uh got permission from my family to uh take off for what i thought was going to be 12 or, or 12 months two months um and uh, it actually turned out to be six weeks yeah so uh went across the country and um Taylor Murray, um, I'd I'd like to hear, Taylor, the the strategic thinking that that got you to allow um, us to stay at your house. So like the backstory here is I started off by myself from San Diego to a little bit past Phoenix, Arizona. uh, And then I met up with four other guys that were doing the same ride. And then we picked up three other guys in West Texas, just all randomly. um, uh, And before the ride, Taylor was like, hey, you're coming through Gainesville. You got to stay at my house. I'm like, absolutely, man. That's gonna be great. Um, You know, we'll, you know, have some fun. Um, You know, I'll get to wash my clothes. And then about a week before I got there, Taylor's like, hey, you still coming this way? I'm like, yeah. He's like, you still want to stay at the house? I'm like, yeah. And and I'm like, but there's a little proviso. I've got seven other people. And, uh, I'd, I'd like to hear Taylor from, this is good case study and strategic thinking. How did you, uh, convince your, your lovely wife, Lauren to, uh, agree to, uh, eight stinky guys, um, on the way, uh, to, to the, to the Atlantic coast to stay at your house at your lovely house, by the way.
2: Well, I'll always preface it by being hot behind every successful person. There's a supportive spouse, right? That's and so true. I'd say the same thing about Carrie for you, but my wife, Lauren, of course, doing the same thing, uh. Now that I've said that and got that out of the way, right? It's, I didn't tell my wife about that. <laughs> it is asked for forgiveness. It was an approach that uh, I told her that this guy named George, who I've talked about quite a bit, that she's never met, is going to come by. And about three days before, after yeah. I softened that up, I said, Oh, and by the way, yeah. he's got a bunch of people who that. You'd probably never pick up on the side of the road uh, or come in with him. But if George trusts him, I trust him. So we'll keep him outside and we'll just slide pancakes under the door.
3: Then that's that's exactly what you did. Oh, oh my goodness. It was like the warmest welcome that we got on the whole trip. Um, We show up and Taylor had made a Costco run with, uh, I think he bought three crates of Pop-Tarts, hamburgers, Doritos. It was the perfect, uh, perfect remedy for, um, what we needed at that point in the ride.
2: I swear, I had no idea you guys would go through literally like 84 or 72 Pop-Tart, two packs, yes. which yeah. you did, which I'm glad yeah. because I couldn't handle it. And I, I would, I, I often get over my skis and I, I'd say to myself, I'm going to do something. And I, I can't <laughs> come close. I was going to ride with you the last day and a half, two days. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I did it and I, Oh, I didn't, I said I was going to do it. And I got my bike down and got ready. And my wife's like, you are not doing that. Are you kidding me? And I'm so glad you did because it rained the last two days. So I brought was, my kids and we just drove there. We drove there and met them up and saw yeah. them all pop champagne. Awesome.
3: Yeah. Yeah. And to, once again, to Taylor's credit, um, you know, eight bottles of champagne, one for every guy, um, when we hit the ocean so that was that was really cool. Yeah, it was a cool experience. And then I also um used it Scott as like a fundraising opportunity. You know, there was one there was like an opera uh, a thing that I think credit unions need to think about um and that's medical debt. Um, you know, largest outstanding debt in this country. Um, one, one of the largest outstanding debts in this country and, you know, it's it's about bad things happening to good people. You know, even if you have insurance, um so I work with a group called RIP Medical Debt, um, which basically works with Wall Street where you know, some of these medical debts have been sold off to debt collectors and they uh, buy the debt off of the debt collectors for penny, a penny on the, on the dollar. Um, so for every dollar that I raised, they were able to write off $100 worth of medical debt. So I was really fortunate um, to have a lot of people within the credit union industry just you know, give a few hundred bucks here and there. And I raised about forty thousand dollars, which translated into over four million dollars of debt written off for thousands of people across the country. Um, so, I'm, I, you know, I, as an extracurricular activity, I want to make that something that credit unions start to think about. Um, a little bit more. And I know that some people are are kind of working on that on a more systemic basis. But uh, I think that's a really important issue for credit. unions to think about from a strategic perspective.
0: Can you just uh, say again, what's the website that people should go to to uh, look into uh, what you do as far as uh, from a not-for-profit standpoint, uh, like the charities that you you help support as well as your business?
3: Yeah, so uh, um, my uh, company's name is Mike Neal (laughs) and (laughs) Associates. Um yeah, you know, you, you can just uh check out my last hopheimer.org. Uh, my cousins are really upset that I own that domain. Um <laughs> but uh that's that just kind of gives you gives you what, what I've been up to professionally. Um and then the nonprofit is uh, just R-I- RIP, like rest in peace medical debt. Um and uh I think if you just Google that, I think it's ripmedicaldebt.org. Medical Debt.org um just as an interesting charity to look at um for Uh, for people that are interested in the medical debt, debt topic. So
0: nice, nice. Well, thanks again for being on today's podcast. I know you have to go, uh, and, and catch a flight. Thanks for allowing me to, uh, put a smile on Mr. Taylor Murray's face. It's hard to surprise that guy. And, uh, having you crash the podcast certainly surprised him today. So thank you, man.
3: Cool. Yeah. Good luck to y'all. And, um, I'm sure we'll be in touch soon.
0: All right. Thanks George. Be safe. Thanks Scott.